0: community we're back with the philo podcast if you're here for the first time listening our goal is to help you become more effective so that your church can be more effective and we do that through this podcast our book i love jesus but i hate christmas our coaching cohorts and the philo conference which is coming up in about four and a half weeks may 10th and 11th i'm always amazed at where all the time goes how are we already this close Anyway, we're honing in on all the details and making sure that we're creating an amazing experience for those of you who serve in the church, in the technical arts, and we're still adding new features, VIP events, giveaways, breakout teachers, and in many ways, I mean, I really feel like this could be the best Philo conference yet. We're back to fully in-person as well as being fully online. I mean, if you can do both, you know, why not? And we have some amazing breakout faculty as well as an amazing main session speaker lineup. You can check out our website, philo.org, to stay up to date. All the details surrounding the conference are there. And you can even sign up for our newsletter to be, you know, up to the minute with updates as soon as they happen. And if you haven't signed up for the Philo conference yet, there's still time. Don't forget to use the code PODCAST10. That's all caps, PODCAST, and the number 10. You get 10% off any ticket price, regardless of how many you're purchasing or what type of ticket it is. So you could save money on tickets for your whole team. And if you're listening to this podcast when it is released in real time, we're at the beginning of Holy Week, and you're probably already working really hard, getting ready for services that will happen this week. You're in rehearsals, you've been rehearsing, you're changing things last minute. For some of you, that means your services are starting on Thursday, Monday, Thursday, and going through Sunday. For others, you're just doing a ton of the same service on Saturday and Sunday. And really, regardless of what your workload is, I just want to remind you to do two things this week. One is take time to remember what this week is about. I mean, one good way to do that might be to consider start reading in John chapter 12 and sort of absorb the story of Jesus life as he walks through this particular week. If you read a couple chapters a day, you'll go from the last supper through his resurrection. Just a great recentering of why we're so busy preparing for Easter services. And second, I would just say, make sure that you take the necessary time to recover from all that you're doing this week. I mean, you're gonna pour yourself out and I would just suggest to give yourself permission to take a few deep breaths after it's all over before you just jump right back into work. What we get to do is something that God wants us to do for the long haul, not just fry ourselves week after week after week. And we all need a chance to replenish. And let me tell you, you are worth it. Your church needs you at your best, and you're better with a serious rest after a big push like Easter. I'm really excited about our podcast today, and we've been joined by another one of our main session speakers for this year's Philo Conference. Today, we're talking with Andreas Pantley, or Andy, as he is normally called, and he's the senior pastor of ICF Church, which is in Hamburg, Germany. And before that, he was responsible for worship and production at ICS main campus, which is in Zurich, Switzerland. And they're one of the largest, most influential evangelical churches in Europe. And in fact, I just saw on their Instagram today, they have a SkyCam in their auditorium. So you know that camera with the four cables attached to it? I mean, they're doing some pretty cool stuff over there. I am really excited to have him join us for Philo in May. And we had a really great conversation on the podcast today. So let's get started. Welcome. Good to see you, Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good to be together. Now, I know online you're Andreas Pantley, but do you normally go by Andy, or does it just depend on who you're talking to?
1: No, yeah. For for good friends, Andy is okay. Yeah, yeah okay. no, but my my full name is Andreas, but most of the people, even here in Germany, call me Andy. So okay. Andy
0: is totally fine. Yeah. Yes. So we were just talking before we hit record just about how we met. We're not sure we have the same memory. My memory is it was in 2008 and I was doing a conference in Germany and there was a volunteer on the crew that had been a part of your church that you're part of in Switzerland and was doing internships at Willow Creek at the time. And so he said, you should totally come with me to my church in Switzerland. So we, after the conference, we drove, we didn't drive, we flew to Zurich and yeah, I got to spend a few days with you and your team, and I mean, I have such fond memories that usually come up in my Facebook feed around this time. We had lunch on top of a mountain in the Swiss Alps. We just got to talk about kind of ministry and got to be a part of a few church services there. So that was that was the first thing I thought of uh, when I was thinking how. And we that means we've known each other for fourteen Is that fourteen years ago? <laughs>
1: I think, yeah,
0: that's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
1: but I was—I remember this whole. Uh, yeah, that was a really nice trip on the mountain. I remember that it was Fabian. I think Fabian yeah, yeah. was yeah, his yeah. name. Right? Uh huh. Exactly. And uh, I think I've saw I've seen you before, just because when I was at a conference or when I was at Willow, I always looked on you know production level of who is yeah, sitting yeah. behind which desk. So I. I saw, I just knew you from, from, from your face before. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but I, I guess that was the first time we really, really met and got to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah and the, there are a couple of things about that trip to Zurich for me that were so fascinating. One was the service I attended was in English. So that just right off the bat, I thought, oh, I'm in Switzerland and they're doing the service in English. But then the other part of it was, it was being translated into Spanish. So I'm like, what is is going on here? Yeah, but it was just so, so fascinating to see, you know, a big, vibrant, you know, just like there were a lot of people there for the Spanish service. And yeah, it was just really fun to see what God was doing in in your church at that time. Yes. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe who you are, what you do, and then maybe some context around what we talked about already, just the, you know, the, the place you came from, how you ended up, kind of where you are right now.
1: Yeah, yes. So my name is Andy. I'm 42 years old. I'm married. I have two wonderful children. I actually have a dog, which is my newest innovation. (laughs) (laughs) And so I am Swiss, like my passport is Swiss, but I grew up in Germany, moved to Switzerland when I was about 19 after being at Willow for half a year. So I have good memories. I think Hmm. it was 1999. I was in some kind of leadership student ministry training, and then I moved to Zurich. So basically back to my, to, to the country that I was born and and my parents come from and i started being a part of the icf church in zurich which is the founding church of a icf movement with about Mm -hmm. 60 churches and so i became the programming director uh, of the youth ministry in the beginning and this church was very influenced by US churches at that time. So we so I became into the role of being responsible for programming but also for production from like the very beginning. And mm-hmm. then I grew into this into into this area over the years, 2 3 years later I was also responsible for the adult services like okay. for the older people not just the students. <laughs> and then I was basically in this role for 17 years. So wow. Basically always responsible for the creative department, but also for the production and then also for big events and building. So that was basically my responsibility for for many, many years. And the church was at the time I became a part of it was already big in terms of compared to other churches in Germany, because a normal free church would be maybe 100 people. That's okay. it, yeah. And so that church already had maybe six, seven hundred people. So that was big at that time, right? Uh, but the church grew and grew and grew and became bigger and bigger, and also more influential to to the whole German speaking part of Europe. So we did a lot of big conferences or worship mm-hmm. tours and stuff like that. And then about five years ago, actually, God moved our heart, and the, my wife actually she started talking about it first, mm-hmm. okay. uh, and said, "I I feel like." God is moving us back to Germany. And I feel like God is moving us to planting an ICF church. And I always knew if my wife would ever start talking about that, I have a problem because (laughs) many years before she would say, you can do church and I'm more like an artist, you know, but I don't want to be a pastor. And then I realized, okay, my wife starts, talking about being a pastor. So that's a miracle. Right. And then we moved four years ago to Germany, Hamburg, which is the very north of Germany, Mm -hmm. uh, and started a new church, a new ICF church from scratch with young people. Yeah. So this is my new role. I'm now a pastor. I still love production, of course, (laughs) but I'm not the programming or creative department leader anymore.
0: Right, right. Yeah. When I came to visit in 2008, you were meeting in a rented facility that was like an old factory. Yes. Mike Myers the the comedian and actor, he used to do this comedy bit on Saturday Night Live called Sprockets. And he did it with a German accent and it was like a dance party and it was very funny, but the when I came to visit the you know ICF was meeting in a Sprockets factory, like it was an old sprocket factory which I thought this is like classic, you know, I couldn't have written that better. But one of the things that I was really impressed by is just the, how much you would just have an empty room and reconfigure it depending on what you, you know, what was happening at a given time or for Christmas or, or that sort of thing. And to put in all that work to transform the space, was that like something you were doing intentionally Well, sometimes probably it was the best thing to do in terms of how to deal with a bad
1: situation, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it was really a very painful road that God had for our church in Zurich for almost 20 years that he never opened the door for like a stable solution Uh as a church. So always and always again, we got sometimes with short amount of time we got you know fired and kicked out of a building and then we had to find something new for many many years we were in mobile um solutions which meant like we 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 went in sunday morning at like 3 a.m and went out at sunday night at maybe you know after midnight so but we always love creativity and we love changes. And it of course, had also to do a little bit with my pastor, Leo Bigger, who is the founder of the movement because he always have fresh ideas and he always yeah. loves to change stuff. And, and so I, I believe even in that time when you visited us, we were in a solution for, I think it was a five year contract, which was probably the longest contract that we ever <laughs> had. Um, and even at that time, we always love to change the stage and stage setup, and okay. because we made everything mobile, we never we always had mobile solutions. So we said, after two three months, let's change something because yeah. change keeps the church fresh and right. and nature changes. You know, there is spring and summer and fall and winter, and so we always love to to be
0: on the move and yeah. not to kind of uh, stay where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah which also seems like a lot of work. Just curious, because there are a lot of people listening to this that are living that life, maybe not to that scale or that, you know, this weekend we got to make a decision about something. I spent a good bit of my life, you know, in that sort of portable situation and it can be exhausting. Was there something that sort of kept you and your team motivated to make the changes or was there something exciting about the fact, oh, we get to change it and, you know, it's worth the effort? Yeah, I think what what kind of motivates me the most is
1: not it is what happens with you and what happens with the team while you're doing it, Mm, you know, because if you have a crazy idea or you have some crazy new idea of how to make, you know, the stage all new for Christmas season, there's always great things happening. There are people who stand up in the church that didn't stand up before, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe you need some new resources and you find someone in your church who has it. And then you need people that you normally don't need as volunteers because sure. you need different artists and different skills. And then the
0: whole,
1: yeah, the whole wonder of finances. I mean, you never have enough. We never had the money for what we what we planned, never. And yeah. so you have to... <laughs> do phone calls and ask companies for, you know, giving it for free. And so much, so much, so much great stuff is happening while you do it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, also the team is built by accomplishing things that are not normally possible, right? So I think what, what I love about this, having crazy ideas is what's happening, you know, beneath the surface. Because you experience God, you experience miracles, you you grow as a leader, you grow in your skills. So that's what I love about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It still sounds uh, exhausting, but yes. It is, it yeah. is, it yeah. is.
1: And of course, we always, I mean, I think some, some years we really, you know, we did it too strong, you know, yeah, in yeah, terms right. of it became it became a little bit like a, a God in itself, you sure, know? Right, so right. crazy and always be better. And and then we had a season where we realized, okay, we have to, you know, take take it down maybe 20, 30%, uh-huh. which meant we still change, but not as many times. So right, right, right. maybe change the stage every two months. And then we
0: started doing it only maybe four times a year, stuff right, like that. Right. So yeah, I yeah. think
1: that's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the process can become sort of an idol, you know, that we always change. We have to keep doing this. It has to be bigger and better than last time, which then it's not bad. Those things aren't bad, but the like hanging on to that concept is uh, just can be destructive.
1: Yeah, so true.
0: Yeah, yeah just kind of following the story of ICF and all these different spaces you're meeting in. I, lo- I love kind of the story of where ICF is now. And so at least the Zurich campus, you know, what has happened with them. I think there's something yeah, inspiring about just the story of how it came about and uh, what it became. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I moved away from Zurich in June and we moved into the Samsung Hall that it was called for the last four years uh, in February. So <laughs> as I told you, we never had uh, like a long term solution as a church wow. or a place to stay we always prayed about it. And we always talked about the promised land, just like, okay, you know, sure. the, yeah. the just like Moses. And we had a lot of prophecies that God gave the church that he will open the door. But in the end, it took 10 years of of working and praying and talking to the city of Zurich until we were able to finally move into the Samson Hall. And the Samson okay. Hall is basically a, a partnership with the church and people from the church christian people who really love god and really love the church but the samsung hall is a neutral event facility like okay. it, it's like the best concert hall right now in switzerland okay. I, I would say not for classic music but for pop and rock it's it's probably the best and most professional concert hall in switzerland okay all right and but it's it has been built from people from the church who said, we want to make this only possible so that the church on Sunday has the best building on a very good spot in Zurich because okay. Zurich is one of the most expensive cities in the world. Yeah. So finding land to buy uh, in the city is almost impossible, yeah. you know? Uh, and so we knew we have to find another creative solution. So it's basically a neutral Concert hall. It's also used with a lot of a lot of companies who use it, and then there are a lot of concert at night. So many famous artists like Sting and so on are playing there. But then on Sunday, every Sunday, and also conferences, stuff like that. Okay. And for the rest of the week, the church still uses the lower level down down, like youth ministry and kids ministry and okay. college and all that kind of rooms you need during the week. Yeah. But to be honest, like the big auditorium, most of the churches, they use it on Sunday and that's it. Right, right. And so that is in Zurich, a lot of money that you would just. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting there. Yeah, and right. So so I think it's, it's really, it is a great concept. Mm. And I think it can really be inspiring for other churches, especially if they meet downtown or like have to, you know, find land very close to the city. And of course, it's interesting because if I invite my friends to church and they say, well, where is your church? And I say, well, it's in the Samson Hall. Most of them have been there already. So they okay. say, oh, okay. I know this auditorium. Okay. You meet in this place. And uh-huh. so they already have like a a positive attitude sure. to the church because they are not as maybe skeptics. So, where is it? Where do you meet? Do you meet in some strange place you know so it's it's great it's it's great financially it's actually now not called the Samsung Hall anymore because oh, okay. Samsung the contract was only for four years okay and and now they didn't uh, extend the contract I don't know actually for what reason sure now it's only called I think it's
0: called the hall the hall yeah, I was gonna say I, I was gonna make a joke about it. it's just called hall yeah. but yeah no that's, it yeah. is yeah. <laughs> it's
1: actually, they just uh, because it was it was cheap you know they only had to take away the Samsung <laughs> and, and have, yeah, right. And have to- Hall is there. Yeah, that's funny. No, it's, it is really a, a good thing. Uh, of, of course, you need very, very good relationships because you need to trust each other big yeah. time. And of course, there are some concerts or uh, some artists that you can't invite because people still know it's a church building on Sunday. Okay. So you have to make some tough decisions. You, you know, to say, okay, no, this and this artist, we can't have him play.
0: But yeah, I think it's it's going good. Yeah, for the team, the production team at ICF, do they have anything to do with the, the hall during the week? Are they responsible for helping these other touring artists thing happen, or is that a totally separate, completely separate thing? Yeah, totally separate.
1: I really think that was very uh, important because we 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 knew we have to we have to stick to our uh, mission. And yeah, that yeah. is to build the church. And so we we invested a lot of time in finding solutions so that the, the, the strategy was we said we want to be able to do a concert every night during the week. Yeah. Even if it's a very, very famous artist, he had to move in and out within like 12 hours, right? Yeah. So we have a lot of gear that is mobile. I think almost everything is mobile with, you know, with some touchscreen and then all the gear is moving. But all the concerts and everything, the church has nothing to do with it. Got so it. the okay. church is basically renting the, the big auditorium on Sunday. Uh-huh. And then, but then everything that happens during the week in the big auditorium, the church has nothing to do with sure, right? Okay. But of course, you have to have to you have to, you know, make some decisions on which LED wall and which PA and all that kind of stuff, right, right. Because you have to to kind of look that it is good for the church, but also good for professional events during the week, sure, right. And so there is a lot of talking and and decisions that we did together, yeah. But then everything yeah. else is totally is doing sure, a different yeah. company, and it's not owned by the church. It's really important there. Are, People from the church who own the company, they run it. So they yeah. have to
0: make profit, not we as a church. Sure, and we yeah, sure. rent it basically on Sunday. Sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so many people I know that are working in churches in the U.S. that are doing concerts, you know, on Friday and Saturday night, it's usually the crew, you know, the the volunteers and like who are already busy doing stuff, you know, sort of get sucked into yeah. pulling off the concerts too. So, yeah, it's good to hear that uh, they're not uh, – necessarily having to do all that work too. Yeah. 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 Did you say you moved into the Samsung hall and then you left town? Yeah. Like, was that hard to do after 10 years of planning or? It, it, it was. I mean, I,
1: I sometimes said to my wife, I feel like Moses, you know, because Moses had the job to bring the to Israelites to the promised land, but then he was not uh, allowed to <laughs> yeah. move in. Right, right. Yeah. And I always say, God, what had, what have I done? You know, did I do <laughs> yeah. some bad sin? Was I prideful? No, it was. It was, of course, tough to let go after so yeah, many yeah. years. I mean, for many years we thought we would always stay with the mother church. I mean, we've seen a lot of friends leaving the church to start a new ICF, but we always felt like we will stay. So that was hard to let go, and yeah, also yeah. let go of everything that God has done for over the years and let go of people, let go of people like my team, my staff team and all kind of stuff. At the same time, I think it was a little easier to plan. Like the last two years, I already knew I would go. So okay. it was a little easier to plan the building knowing that I will not stay there. So okay, sure. sometimes you have to make tough decisions, right? You cannot always do what's best for production. Sure. But sometimes <laughs> you have to do what's best for the the whole church or even like the partnership and you have to find win-win solution. And so my role was a little easier because I knew I will not stay. So I think that was actually good for the project. And of course, I knew the first four years probably won't be as easy as they look because you have to find out what is working, what's not working. You have to find, you have to build a partnership, you will have conflicts. And so I was kind of glad that I knew, okay, now I can go.
0: (laughs) Don't figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. You said you you can't always do what's best for production. Like, that's hard to hear. (laughs) I like doing what's best for production. How were those conversations with your team? You know, the overall project needs this, which means maybe not bad things for us, but not ideal. Like, how did you handle those? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I
1: had like one rule, especially when I... Try to hire someone. I always mm-hmm. said the love for the church must be bigger than the love for your your area of work, right? Yeah, yeah. So if, if you are on staff for the church, you love production. I mean that that's totally good. You have yeah. to love it, otherwise you can't do it. Right. Right. But the love for the church, like for what the church is about, needs to be bigger because yeah. there will always be decisions and there will always be disadvantages in the church compared to the professional production world and if your love for the professional production is bigger you will always be disappointed right. but if you love for the church and the mission of the church is bigger you will understand the decision and you will go with it and say i know i mean from a professional point of view maybe that's not the best solution but from the from the church perspective that's good and this is always that always helped me so i always said, God. I want to love the church and I want to build the church and the professional production is a tool in God's hand and it's a way to invest my skills as an an artist, Mm -hmm. but it's never about the production and it's never about the building. I mean, all all of the building that we build as churches, they will all stay here on earth. We cannot take them to (laughs) heaven. Not even the PA. (laughs) What about the Not LED even. wall? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think this this helped me over the yeah. years to remind myself I'm I'm here because I love the church. Yeah. And because I love Jesus and I want to accomplish the mission that he gave us. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I'd just be curious about your process of coming to the point of we're leaving or or just saying. You know, God, what do you want us to do in this situation? And okay, you've you've kind of mentioned that your wife sort of brought it up, but to raise the question is one thing. To then get to the point of letting go and going is yeah. a totally another. I'd just be yeah. curious a little bit about your process there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the question always was kind of back here, or even just knowing that this could happen uh-huh. because of, you know, some circumstances, because I, I love to preach. So I I, I, got, I had the chance to preach at ICF maybe every every sixth or seventh week. But of course, uh-huh. I always knew I have this gift, you know, and, and people sometimes will come and say, hey, you should teach every week. And even my uh-huh. pastor, Leo, oh, anytime. Yeah. said, <laughs> so I feel bad having you because I see some gifts and some skills that you have mm. that we cannot fully, you know use in this area that you are in. So it was always, I always knew that this could happen one day. Yeah. But then also many times I always said that's really interesting because I always said I am not a pioneer. So I'm not somebody who would start something. Sure. Okay. I <laughs> never felt that I could I could be good at this. So uh-huh. many, many years I said God will not use me as a as a founding pastor because this is not what I can do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I actually I tried once when I came back from Willow when I was 19. I start I I started a church with some of my friends. Okay. And we totally messed up. <laughs> <Like it> was, <laughs> so I always said I will never I will never start a church. Uh-huh. And it's really interesting because God you know God <laughs> God is God and yeah, yeah. he. he this is really for me uh, fascinating that maybe he heard me saying that and he said, don't you dare <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't you dare not say you cannot do it be, you know because it's a it's a it's a God thing and so sure. God moved our heart and it was not like a point where we heard God speaking clearly, but it was sure. more a sure. knowing it was more like a knowing inside. Okay. Oh, something is happening. There is a change. <laughs> right, and, right. and we felt it. My wife felt it. Me felt it. And uh, we didn't want to feel it. So yeah. we didn't have any conflict. So we didn't <laughs> want to go. So. But we looked at each other and said, okay, we both feel something is changing. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we said, okay, God, if you want this, you have to make a miracle in our heart because yeah, yeah. I said i will I I'll never start a church I can yeah. I can take over a church that already is you know mobile, sure. more than four hundred people, but yeah. I'll never be a pioneer yeah, yeah and so God moved us and it it became so clear and mm-hmm. and in the end we we prayed with our pastors in Zurich and they had the same strong sense and so we said, okay if God wants it, we do it
0: yeah, yeah, yeah oh, that's so great yeah being a pastor now and not being directly responsible for like all the things that you used to, you know, your heart was beating fastest for, for all those years in Zurich. Like how, how was that letting go of making decisions about creativity and art and production? Once you were now, like as the pastor, you should maybe take a step back from that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's a good question, but because I think, I mean, in, uh, as we started the church, the the whole area of church service and creativity, we were very directly leading it in the sure. beginning. So my okay. wife was the worship leader, okay. and I was not only the pastor, but of course I did the programming, and <laughs> right. and I I did the slides. I, I probably yeah. did everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I helped you know building it up. And in the beginning, I was the only guy who was able to you know switch on the the soundboard and keep <laughs> yeah. get it running so it was really i could use a lot of what i've learned uh-huh. even with of course very bad gear and bad circumstances but right. most important skills are always you know making the best out of bad circumstances <laughs> yeah. and so in the beginning we had we 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 took a lot of influence on on this area because we we knew as icef churches One of our strengths is the church service and creativity and art and quality. And so I was very specific and very, I invested a lot of time from scratch in this area because I knew this is the strength that I have. Right, right. But of course, other pastors who have different strengths would have to invest their time differently. But of course, I knew this is what I can do. So I use it. To, to to grow as fast as we can in this area. But yeah. now after four years, I have a guy on staff who's like the visual director. And so he takes a lot of stuff from production. And so right now, I am in the process of really letting go okay. and allowing others to make the decisions and building the teams and deciding which gear is better. Yeah, okay. Actually, this is now, not four years ago. It's
0: basically the process that I'm in right it's now. It's happening now, yeah. <laughs> and how how is it? I could imagine on one hand, it's probably somewhat of a relief to be able to focus energy in different areas now as the senior leader, but also like the thing you love and the thing that you can maybe do uh blindfolded uh, you know in your sleep kind of thing and something maybe that you love to do has it been yeah maybe just a mixture of those emotions or or it's been super easy just saying okay you take it and
1: no it's not easy it's not <laughs> easy because i i love to be involved and i love there is almost nothing that is not fascinating me so so it is hard to to let go at the same time i always try to ask myself what would i need if I would have, if I would be them, you know, I mean, yeah, right. many years ago, I prayed that my pastor would trust me even more and allowing right. me to make decisions. And now I don't want to be the pastor who controls everything. Right. Yeah. And says, I, I do all the big calls. And so I always try to ask myself, what would I want if I would be in the shoes of that person? Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I know they, <laughs> they deserve more freedom and more trust. Huh. And so I force myself right now <laughs> I force myself right now to to do it. Yeah, 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 and at the same time, of course, I see I see right now the last half year, uh, the production quality in in our church here in Hamburg has grown so fast, and it was basically because I let them,
0: you know, sure, and, and right. n- okay. did not want to be involved in everything. so right, right. yeah, yeah, I was thinking about it in terms of my own journey, which was, you know, I'm doing a lot of the production stuff. And then as the team grew, I had to learn how to allow other people to do the thing I loved, or I had a specific way I did those things and how difficult it was to just, okay, I gotta, not only do I have to let it go, but I have to like, I have to empower someone to take it to the next level. It's probably more universal, uh, like everybody who goes from doing something to, Stepping back and leading more is a struggle, but I just think for production people, it's so much of what you're about in the early days is doing, you know, actually hands on things. And so then to turn into a leader, enough to let go. And I mean, I had a person that started mixing every weekend when I had been the person doing it, and I didn't love how it sounded. And so we were yes. always butting heads every week. I don't know what happened. He would just, I kind of noticed he wasn't taking my notes. I thought, okay, either I can like tell this guy you're done or examine my own heart to say, is it really what is is he is what he's doing wrong or just not how I would do it? And if it's not how I would do it, is it bad or is it fine? And I think most of it was motivated by my own self-preservation. I thought, if this guy leaves, then I'm gonna have to start doing this again. And I don't I can't. I don't I can't do that. My I don't think my my life could sustain that much work. And so, okay, I think it's okay, you know, was the thing that sort of pushed me over the edge. But yeah, just, I think that that's a challenge that probably we all deal with on some level when you're moving up in an organization or, you know, taking a step above. Yeah, that it can be hard to let go of the things you love doing. Yeah, that's so
1: true. And I think that the, the tough part is that to some extent, you still, I still think I'm the leader of it because I know better, and okay. that's dangerous you know, because there's some level of leadership where you're not the leader because you know everything better. That's just you're not right. true. Yeah, and, and otherwise I will never attract the best people because they don't want to be led by someone who says I know everything better. You know, but right. they want they want to be trusted, and so I force myself to really right now even allowing mistakes and I already know they would happen uh, <laughs> because I had the chance to make mistakes right and of course sometimes in a in a briefing or maybe in a production meeting where in which I sit as a pastor and I hear some plans and i I think because of the experience you have right you already know that probably they will <laughs> end up in some kind of problem on Sunday but if I always, no, if I always have influence on it, they, they will never learn to be fully responsible because sure. they, they trust that I will kind of control it and help them. Right. Uh, and so right now, I really, my biggest challenge is to somehow see what could happen, mm-hmm. but then allowing it to happen because they have to make their own mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes in the end, I'm wrong. And it oh. turned out, turns out, well, you know, sure. and yeah. I thought this will not work and then it works and yeah. people love it. And so this is, I guess, a big challenge if you grow as a leader that you have to give space yeah. and, and you have to allow people to do the same mistakes that you did <laughs> some years ago. Yeah. Otherwise you're always controlling and that's yeah. too
0: much burden. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was telling my story to someone recently So I was a part of a church that met in a school, you know, we started with one microphone and a cassette player recorder, and then it was two mics and then two mics and a guitar. And so I was able to learn and make mistakes as the church grew, as opposed to just being dropped in a place that everything's happening and you have to learn all of it at once. And mm. I just think about now, I'm not sure I would make it in the world of production if I just had to step up to, you know, yeah. everything that that churches are doing. Yeah. So I had the benefit of kind of learning as I went. And yeah, yeah just to remember that other people need something similar in their own life yeah. to, to be able to learn and make mistakes. And, oh, we've you know, the message didn't record this weekend, you know, I made a mistake and okay. Yeah. And not my favorite thing, but okay. Yeah. Let's learn from it. What can we learn from it? Yeah. 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 So true. So important. Yeah. yeah. So now that you're, you know, a pastor leading a church, is there something that you maybe wish you had known, you know, 17, 20 years ago when you were starting at ICF that just the, a different perspective on kind of the role of production and, and the arts from a from a senior pastor perspective, yeah, yeah, that's a good. I I I think being a pastor now helps
1: me just to appreciate the pastor more. I mean, I I wish <laughs> I would have had more appreciation for the for the leadership. Just understanding what what is on the shoulder of a of a pastor, even on a Sunday, you know, because sometimes mm. I expected too much from my pastor. You know, sometimes we have. you you have this drama or you have this creative element that you planned. And then you kind of expect your pastor to perform as best as he can and to rehearse, (laughs) you know, at home. But now being a pastor, I realize there are so many different things going on during the week. And it's Mm -hmm. not just the Sunday, you know, and even on a Sunday, there are so many different levels of, of, of burdens and, Things that you know you have to to think about as a pastor. So I think if I would if I would be able to talk to myself, I would uh-huh. say, have a lot more appreciation and mercy on your leadership and <laughs> on your pastor, uh, even also maybe on your on your bookkeeper, you know, the, oh. the, the guy who is <laughs> responsible for finance. Because yeah. I always, I mean, I always fight, you know, for more budget for my production. Right. Right. This right. Is what yeah. We this is. This is the, big, the beginning of, uh, of, uh, of a revival comes with a new PA. <laughs> and now if you, if you have the full responsibility on how, you know, even the question, who will give money? I mean, will, will the church grow? Will it, I mean, in COVID-19, the whole crisis in the beginning, we did not know what would happen with our church. We, are, we were two years old. So we had to really make tough decisions. Is it right to invest into production gear? Or is this the biggest mistake ever? Right, right. And so as a pastor, I think you have a lot different things to be aware of and to to carry. So... Have more mercy on the pastor and the bookkeeper.
0: That's so good. It's nice to know that even, you know, at a place that has, you know, great things happening production-wise, you know, just thinking of uh, ICF and Zurich, you know, it's like, okay, they even have problems with, uh, you know, the the relationship with the with the finance team. Yeah, it's just yeah. a universal, uh, we like to spend the money and the finance person is responsible. So yeah, yeah, yeah that would probably never go away. And have you, have you noticed in your context now, so... I'm guessing you know a smaller setting than yours the Zurich expression of i c f and and the level of production and the you know just that whole side of things do you think differently about like what can and can't be done from a production standpoint or the even the role of production in your church like to say, well, you know we don't have as much, so we're thinking about it differently, or do you feel like you're thinking about it the same, just yeah, in your context, maybe a little differently,
1: yeah. What I learned the last few years is basically being reminded to what I already knew many years ago. But sometimes you forget about it. Uh-huh. That real art art has not to do with anything with budget in the end. And mm-hmm. and even uh, gear is gear. Uh, the the skills of the artist are so much more important than the gear. So uh-huh. you can do great sound with maybe not the best gear, but you can do bad sound with the best gear right, right.
0: yeah uh-huh. so
1: skills are more important than gear and then character is more important than skills okay. so i think this is for me a very important principle that i uh, that i learned again mm-hmm. uh, we learned it many years ago when we started in zurich because we did never had the gear that we that we had that we dreamed to have and we never right. had the budget and the, the the dreams were always bigger than the circumstances but now you know, if you start from scratch and you almost have nothing except maybe some old bad PA and two (laughs) microphones and our worship leader, he just, you know, our first worship leader, he was a 20-year-old guy with an acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. And, but what I realized was if you have the right people, you can build heavenly atmosphere with almost really bad gear and bad circumstances. So we met in a very not a good place. We don't have production gear. We don't, didn't have any rehearsals. So we had all that kind of stuff we missed out. But from the very first day, I think we had a lot of humor and a lot of creativity Mm. and a lot of excellent and a lot of extra miles in our production because the heart is always the same. You know, if you, if you, if you love the church, if you love to serve the people, if you love to, Build an environment which people can experience God as best possible. That has nothing to do with how big the church is. It has nothing to do with how much budget you have, but yeah. it's really something in your heart. And it was really for me exciting to see that again. You know, when you start the church, you are reminded of the of the most important principle that you sometimes forget along the along the journey. Right, know? right. Yeah. For me. Building a church from scratch really reminds me what are the big points, you know, what are the big, big uh, things that we have to know and be good at as a
0: church. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so, so amazing to hear you say that. I mean, I think it could be so easy just to be discouraged by, you know, coming from. Samsung Hall type uh, situations where you have, you know, on the surface everything you have everything that you could ever yeah. need or want uh, the, with people and gear and all that stuff, and to to mm. show up with nothing, I think it can be real easy to get caught up in the focusing on the what yeah. you don't have. You know, we think about excellence being the uh, doing the best with what you have. There's something to be done with what whatever is there what the people you yeah. have the the gear you have and it's not a function of how many zeros are in your budget yeah. it's it's a function of all right this is what i've been entrusted with what am i going to do with it and i when you were saying you know it's like uh, you don't need budgets to you know to create uh, moments when i first started my journey i was an audio engineer that was my thing and i can count on less than i mean less than 5 times one hand Like where the mix was, I was happy with the mix. Yeah. (laughs) And one of those times was in a, basically a room of cinder block walls, a homemade sound system and not enough microphones, Uh, you know, just like not, not ideal. And I can remember the moment somebody was standing next to me and we looked at each other at the same time and Mm -hmm. we're like it's like, it, this sounds amazing. And it was, yeah, the worst circumstances uh, imaginable. And I think you could put me in a better room with better gear and all that stuff. And I probably wouldn't be able to recreate something even half as good. Yeah. yeah so just the, so the uh, yeah, it's, so it's about true. what you have. Yeah. 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 And I think too, you probably remember this somewhat, you know, you come to back in those days, you know, you come to a Willow Creek conference and, it's it's a little bit, it's part inspiration and part depression. You know, you just like, oh, this is so cool and I could never do this. So why even bother, you know, getting excited about it? But somewhere along the way for me, it was was kind of a light switch went off to say, nothing, when I go back to my church, nothing's going to change. Like nothing will have changed. I don't have more money. I don't have better gear. I don't have a different team. So what, what am I going to do with this information? Mm. And it's really like, okay, they're using what they have to the fullest. I can mm. do that. They're doing the best of what they have. I can do that where I am and just see yeah. what happens. And I think God will honor that. Doesn't mean that someday you'll be in the Samsung Hall, but to be entrusted with what's in front of you is yeah so important to not dismiss it looking for the next thing.
1: Absolutely, and I really, I, I totally agree because I think this is the only lasting attitude. I mean, if you say I want to, I want to be as trustful that I can to God with you know what He gave in my hand right now, and mm-hmm. I want to make the best out of the gear that I have right now. And if my pastor does not yet understand how important <laughs> you know maybe yeah. creativity is, I will, I will, I will give my best. To, to prove and, and to, but in the end you have to do it because you are serving God. You don't mm-hmm. have, I mean, if we do it for the leadership of the church, or if you do it for the people, you will always be disappointed. Yeah. So I really believe everything we do, we should do for Christ and knowing that he is always keeping his word, Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and, and blessing,
0: blessing those who do, you know, do a good job. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. So good. This has been such a great conversation. And I'm really excited about you coming to be with us in May and having you share kind of from your heart to the file community. So yeah, thanks for spending time with us today. And yeah, look forward to seeing you. I guess it's in six weeks or something like that. I can't wait. I can't (laughs) wait to be with you guys. That'll be amazing. There was a lot about our conversation that I really liked. Here's a few quotes that I wrote down. There's never enough money for your dreams. I mean it's such a good thing to remember that you know there's never enough money. It doesn't matter how big your church is, how big your budget is. The other thing of which relates to budget is art has nothing to do with budget. I love that quote that we can be creative without money and I would argue that it makes art better when you have constraints and money is one of the big ones. Uh, The other one I wrote down is the beginning of revival comes with a new PA. I mean, never were truer words spoken. I mean, I think he was just joking, but made me laugh. Uh, I think it's so easy for us as production people to just be tunnel visioned on the things that we're about and the things that are important to us. And it's real easy to lose sight of the bigger picture. Yeah, new PA, would that help? But is that really how revival is going to happen? Yeah, probably not. You know what? I've been a long-time fan of Andy's, and I'm so glad that he is able to join us for the Philo Conference this year. He's even bringing his technical director and a couple of their key volunteers, so really uh, looking forward to having them with us. Philo Conference, don't forget to sign up, PODCAST10, all caps, number 10, to get 10% off your tickets. And we keep updating information about the conference on our website, so you can stay in the loop by following us on social media at philo community on Facebook and Instagram and at philo conference on Twitter. And yeah, you could just consider clicking join the community on philo.org or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date. All right. It's been good to be with you and happy Easter.